One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. From the Financial Times, this is Hard Currency. In the battle between the hawks and the doves on the Federal Open Market Committee, the doves are definitely in the ascendancy. Fed Chair Janet Yellen delivered a most cautious assessment of the US economy, pushed the rate cycle out and duly sent the dollar careering lower against just about every other currency out there. I'm Roger Blitz and welcome to Hard Currency, the FT's weekly podcast on the FX market. So the questions from the Fed. What does the Fed's position mean for the dollar over the next few months and beyond? Is the Fed coordinating monetary policy with other central banks? Is the Fed still data dependent? And what does this mean for the great divergence we were promised? Answering all these questions, I'm delighted to have Stephen Englander, head of G10 FX strategy at Citigroup. Steve, welcome. You wrote just a few hours after the Fed meeting and press conference how shocked you were about the degree of dovishness. Now, you've had some time to sleep on it. Are you still shocked? Yes, indeed, because I came in actually expecting them to be somewhat dovish, that I didn't think they were going to hike, in, certainly not in March and not in April, and I, I, th- I thought that they'd be reluctant to send a strong signal this far in advance that they would do June. However, the, the statement was basically take no prisoners, unalloyed, unambiguous dovishness, so much so that I actually fell asleep during the press conference because they, you know, she wasn't adding anything and wasn't mitigating anything in any way. And so I think that they, whether you think they are right or wrong, no central bank is disconnected from the market that they would give that kind of message accidentally or randomly or by mistake. They intended to be perceived as dovish. Now, let's look at some of the reasons behind that that you've written about. One is actually that the Fed the makeup of the committees actually leans very dovishly, doesn't it? Indeed. That looking at the same data, you know, I would have seen core inflation picking up both on a PCE and a CPI basis. The underlying U.S. economic data looking pretty good. And today we have the good claims and Philadelphia Fed quite strong. I would have said that there's no reason to shut the door mm. to as adamantly as they did to a series of hikes this year. I think it's possible that they look at the world and they say the spillover from the rest of the world into the U.S. is going to be much greater than I would say. But the fact is the world's been a sorry place yeah. the last five or six years, and there seems to be enough stimulus in the U.S. economy for it to carry on. I mean, you mentioned the world world, world uh, considerations. We should perhaps look back at the Shanghai G20 and some of the noises being made out of there about currency working together. That was scoffed at in the run-up to the G20, but perhaps what we've seen after we've had the ECB and the BOJ, we've had the Bank of England as well this week, there does seem to be a degree of let's do nothing. To what extent is there some policy coordination taking place, do you think? Again, it's hard to say, and certainly clients and colleagues are looking back to that G20 and reassessing it in retrospect. One thing that was clear even in the statement that they had dropped the exception for the U.S. that had been in the prior G20 statement of 
sort of saying we understand that some countries have to raise yes. rates. And I think from a U.S. perspective, given how bad they thought the U.S. economy looked at the, the middle of February around the time of the G20, they may have thought that they weren't giving away anything by saying, well, you know, we're, we're not going to hike anytime soon. That would commit them for a meeting or two. But the Chinese were adamant that they wanted countries to take account the spillover effects of their monetary policy. And it looks as if in the aftermath, China has done its part in stabilizing CNY and asset markets, and everybody else is doing their part. Yes, including the Fed, therefore. Including the Fed, therefore. Which is therefore to try and keep the dollar at bay. Can we be brave enough to say that's a concerted, unspoken policy now? I think as long as you emphasize unspoken, because yeah. it, you know, I don't think that there was any written agreement. But I think there's a broad recognition that for the world as a whole, a weaker dollar right now is a good thing. Mm. It helps emerging markets. It helps commodities. It takes the pressure off oil. Lots of equities are, look better. So I think that the only two countries that get hurt are Europe and Japan. If they felt that the gains from asset market strength would outweigh the losses on competitiveness, they may have signed on as well. Okay. I just want to probe a little bit the relationship between the central bank, perhaps the Fed, and the market. I mean, now we have, <laughs> ironically, both aligned in terms of the, the rate cycle path, and yet as far apart as possible in terms of what data matters. How does a market participant read upcoming data? Because it seems like the Fed has just torn up the old data dependency playbook that it was operating under. You know, I haven't checked this formally, but my guess would be that she mentioned data dependency, you know, maybe a third as much as she did in recent press conferences. And I think, you know, certainly in my client's meetings in the run-up, there was an increasing conviction that the Fed would be more hawkish, that April might be on the horizon based on the data. I think right now the market says this is just a very dovish Fed who weight international considerations more than we thought they should. And they're going to go on that basis. But I think that they'll draw the conclusion that the dollar will be weak for a couple of months at least, the same way as happened last year when the Fed came in hyper dovish in March. Just something you alluded to earlier about in effect, answer you the question, what was to be gained by going slightly hawkish or even close to par as you could possibly be? Because you would just raise the speculation about the timing of it. I mean, the advantage of this ultra dovish position is that actually it kind of stops the market speculating about the timing of a hike. I think that's correct. That The Fed, unless they intended to hike in April, had no interest in sounding terribly hawkish. And I, I think that they... If they sound hawkish, but they don't deliver a hike, they get all the bad parts of hawkishness, dollar strength, market selling off, EM pressure, oil market pressure spilling over into the rest of the economy. So I think when they go into a meeting where they say, look, we're not going to hike today, we're probably very unlikely to hike the next meeting, they tend to have a bias to go dovish just so that the market doesn't punish them by giving them all the bad stuff yes. from, from a hike. And they don't have the, the pleasure of saying, well, we're, we're even more normalized than we were before. Okay. And just slightly retracing a question I was asking just earlier, but when we do get the next bit of data, the next bit of inflation, the next payrolls, what do you expect the movement of the dollar to be in light of what we've heard from the Fed this week? I think the way the market will look at it is say that there's still a chance that they're going to move in June if the data come in strong. But they're not going to react to March data or April data because it's way too far away to really materially change any kind of June risk or July risk, if you want. So I think that the importance of data will be downgraded. 
And well, the importance of strong data will be downgraded. We have bad data. And you mentioned the gap between the dots and the market. Mm -hmm. That gap will reopen with the market beginning to speculate that zero, zero is the next, is the next yeah. <laughs> of course, on the other side of the dollar trade, all sorts of currencies have been doing extremely well since the, uh, the Fed announcement. Let's take a window, say, the next couple of months. First of all, do you think it's fair to say that the euro dollar is going to stay within this range that, that it's been, that it's not likely to break out? And, and then I want you to talk a little bit about emerging markets and what do you think the prospects are for them? I think the market is inevitably going to test recent highs in euro dollar, okay. given how dovish they sounded and, and unalloyed dovishness. Yeah. They'll want to see how far they can go before somebody says something or does something. 114, 115, I, I, I think the recent highs, you know, market's looking 115 and a half as right. a critical level. I think we will test that level. I think the message to take, and this isn't just the Fed, but every central bank that has acted recently, it's as if they were saying, Look at assets that have big risk premia added to them, big tail, downside tail risk being uh, priced into them, and remove that risk premium, remove that downside tail. So it could very well be that the winners are not going to be, say, the emerging markets with the best fundamentals, yeah. but in fact, the emerging markets that have been pummeled the most because their fundamentals were seen as the worst. So we're looking at Brazil, South Africa, Turkey. Among others, yes. Right. So you think that there will be the emerging markets rally that has been around for this year that slightly came off at the start of this week, we could see that having a good run for a while. They came off at the start of this week because the market was increasingly scared that the Fed would do yes, something dramatic on the hawkish side, and they're not. So it looks like it's open season, both in G10 and EM, to buy uh, high beta currencies. Just finally, Steve, what does the People's Bank of China make of all this? Have they got the renminbi where they want at the moment, or, or is it still overvalued and at some point it's still got to go? I think that as long as they can get the renminbi weaker on a basket level, yeah. in the sense that they're depreciating against the euro, that they're happy to keep it at 650. I think that they view their politics as having been very successful because both in September and it looks like now they, they sort of convinced the Fed to hold off from yes. something that it Through ought to G20, do. Maybe. Exactly. And, and so I think that they view what they've done and objectively it looks like they've gotten what they wanted. Over time, the question is, is the economy right at 650 if the dollar stays where it is? Yeah. And that's a very much an open question. Very much so. My thanks to Stephen Englander of Citigroup. Join us again next week for Hard Currency. In the meantime, please enjoy your weekend and keep up to date with all the Forex news and analysis on ft.com slash markets. Goodbye. If you enjoyed listening to this episode, you might also like to try our Alpha Chat podcast presented by me, Cardiff Garcia, where each week FT writers, bloggers, and their invited guests will have a wonky, funny, and occasionally even irreverent chat about topics related to the financial markets and economics. Check it out at ft.com forward slash podcasts. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.